0: You are locked on Cougars Welcome into to a Tuesday edition of the podcast Hope you all are doing well Today is going to be a mailbag dominated part of the show We'll talk about some hypothetical situations Based on a question from a listener We'll also talk about the future of the NCAA And the Power 5 in particular Based off of some comments from Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick We'll get to all of that as well as some updates on BYU recruiting And also we'll continue with our player countdown One of the old timers today, number 47 We're going to talk about a guy who played some of maybe the worst years in the past 50 years for BYU football, but a standout nonetheless. We'll get to all of that ahead on today's show. So without further ado, let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 26th, 2022. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a huge thank you for joining us right here on Locked On Cougars, making us your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where of course the motto is your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Uh, reminder for you guys: if you're listening to the show down here in this little corner, right here if you're watching on YouTube there's a little thing that says like click for more pods subscribe to the show rate, review, comment, subscribe. Subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff. Help continue to build this audience. We're off to a fast start on YouTube. A huge thank you to all of you who are discovering us on that platform. But even more than that, a huge thank you to all of you guys who are listening to this in the regular podcast formats on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, is what I mean to say, uh, Spotify, all of that. Our numbers this time of year usually drop down because it's the off season. Basketball is done. Football is still, what are we, 130 days away from today? for BYU kicking off the season. Normally, this time of year is what we call our slow part of the year, and it's probably the slowest, but the good news is April looks like it may be a record-breaking month relative to other off-season months for the Locked On Cougars podcast, so a huge thank you for your guys' support in that realm. All right, getting going on today's show, and you guys, the listeners, are powering today's show. I threw it out on Twitter yesterday asking for your guys' questions, so we're calling it a Twitter Tuesday edition of the show, and the first question that came in is one that I think is going to take up a very interesting amount of this show because I can go for hours on this, but it's our good friend, Nick Chadwick. And Nick, you are about as loyal a listener as I have ever met. And by the way, uh, those of you who have been longtime listeners, I'd love to hear from you guys. However you want to get in touch with me, locked on byu at gmail.com is the email address. I'd love nothing more than to hear from some of you guys who've been listening to this show for years, literally at this point, and just interact with you guys. I've interacted with a number of you, but if if you have never reached out, you're a long time, but a first time we use in sports radio that, that long-time listener, first-time caller, that type of stuff, I'd love nothing more than to meet you all because your support has meant the world to me. So reach out. But Nick is one of those. He's one of the GFOPs, an old-timer. He's been listening to the show forever. And Nick asked this question. He says, Athletic Director Jake catch excuse me, Jay Catch is an athletic director at BYU for the day and money isn't an issue. What three things would you change for the BYU athletics department? And then also what three things more specifically for the BYU football program? All right, Nick. You asked the question. Let's talk talk hypotheticals. Let's start off with the BYU football program. I want to answer that question first. The three things, if I had money was no issue and I was athletic director and everything I was able to do was binding. It was was going to stick. It wasn't going to be done away with the very next day. The first thing I would do for BYU football is I would give Kalani Sitake all of the resources that his fellow compatriots at the Power 5 level have. And What I mean by that is give him all of the staffers that he feels comfortable or need That Excuse me, let me repeat that. He he, Give him all of the resources to hire the staffers, staff members, that he feels like he needs to be successful at the level BYU is going into in the Big 12 as a member of the Power Five. And what I mean by that is give him as many recruiting folks as he feels he needs, uh, nutrition, the strength and conditioning staff, uh, training, all that stuff. There are so many people behind the scenes that make this thing go. Give him all of the resources. Resources to go out there and hire as many analysts as he feels he needs uh, and make sure that they are uh, compensated as well. So that way, when BYU faces other teams who are going to obviously try and pick off uh, Cougar staffers after BYU has success in theory, You can keep them. That's also the other thing. So invest in the program, in the football program. Give them the monetary resources to be on an equal footing with their compatriots at the level they're playing at. Make it commensurate with all these. I'm not saying he needs to go out and do We talked a lot about Florida. I've mentioned Florida a few times. Billy Napier, the new head coach of the Florida Gators, has hired something like 100 staffers. I don't think Kalani would need that many people, nor would I think he would actually hire that many people. But just give him the resources to hire the people he needs behind the scenes. Second thing for the BYU football program, I would make sure that BYU's relationship with Nike is as good as you possibly can make it. Make sure that you are the top-tier Nike school and make sure that you are giving your athletes the best swag and the best uh, gear that you possibly can muster for them. BYU has a very good relationship with Nike. Let me be very clear about that. But it's not necessarily a top tier uh, relationship. And Nike has tiers of the schools that they have. BYU for many years was a middling school. They didn't want necessarily uh, invest the money they had to invest on their end to go to that top tier. The way I understand it, BYU is I get thinking like what they. Call Called the second tier. I don't know how they necessarily delineate these. I probably should reach out to some of the folks who I know that work at Nike and ask them for more information on this. Maybe Adam Parker, who actually works for BYU on the licensing side of things, would be able to answer this. I know he listens to this show fairly often. So Adam, feel free to reach out and fill me in if you do hear this. But I would make sure that BYU has the best possible relationship with Nike. And that's being selfish for me. I'm wearing the Meat Digger Cougar hat today. This is actually a Zephyr, and Zephyr's had a very good relationship with BYU. But maybe Make sure that all of your relationships in terms of the overall swag and gear that you can muster for players, coaches, administrators, and even fans beyond that is as good as you possibly can make it. It would take some investment on your part, obviously, because you may have to forego some of the relationships with other vendors that would be, Nike would want to have an exclusive relationship with BYU in that regard, but I'd go for it. I think Nike gear is second to none. I know it's pricier for a BYU fan and we're notorious as a fan base for being cheap. Let's be let's be real. Let's be honest for a second. We can we can be real with this. But I would make sure that you give all of those give all the gear that you possibly can give to anybody who wants it, whether it's people inside the program, fans, all that stuff. Just make sure it's available for them. The third thing for BYU football is I would make sure that they never play another FCS game in my life. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think FCS games are worthless worthless. Just, I, I go and sit at these games. Trust me, I've covered games for over a decade at this point. I've been through the entire independent era as, an, as a media member covering these games. The most boring games I have ever covered, even as a fan, were FCS level games. Give me a lower end FBS school over maybe an FCS powerhouse. I'm sorry, there, there's no upside in my opinion to playing FCS games outside of you saying, okay, we need essentially a pseudo buy this week and we need to insert a body bad game. Bring in this team. We're going to beat the crap out of them. We'll put our second stringers in in the second quarter, and we'll roll to a victory. I just don't think there is a thrill factor to it. I don't think it helps the BYU football brand from a standpoint. And I've always thought the BYU's always been prideful, proud, prideful in terms of bucking trends and kind of going opposite the rest of the crowd. Well, why not do it in this regard? Stop playing FCS games. Just say, well, you know what? We're going to the Big 12 and at some point we're just we're just gonna kind of root those out and we're not gonna play them. I know that's pie-in-the-sky type material, and I I, I understand that this never going to happen, frankly, but I would just, that would be one of the things I would do for BYU football. Now, getting to your bigger question here, Nick, about the three things I would change for the BYU Athletics Department as a whole. First thing is I would go about kind of re-looking at how uh, BYU has picked the sports that they have that they compete in, and this is not something that I'm just coming up with. Tom Homo has actually addressed this, BYU's athletic director, saying that if he were to go back to the drawing board, you'd probably see sports like men's golf, lacrosse, rugby. They'd actually probably be a bigger part of the BYU Athletic Department versus some other sports that are currently being competed at at the varsity level for the Cougars. And by the way, BYU Lacrosse, congratulations to the men's lacrosse team. I think they won the Rocky Mountain Lacrosse, RMLC, whatever that uh, league is. They won the national championship. So congratulations to BYU Lacrosse. They're still competing at a very high level, albeit at a club level. I would be all for lacrosse being elevated to a Division One program. I'd have men's soccer alongside women's soccer as a Division One program. I'd have men's and women's rugby elevated to the level that Cal and St. Mary's and some of these other programs elevated to. I know that Cal, it's a varsity sport even though it's necessarily competing at the club level, but they, they give them scholarships and that type of stuff. The reason I say that is because BYU, let's be real about this, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints around the world, what are the sports that these members are participating in? It's a global, worldwide church. You can get rugby athletes. You can get lacrosse athletes. You can go out and get, uh, who else am I talking about, soccer athletes from around the globe, bring them to BYU, whether they're members of the faith or not, bring them in and be more of a, I guess, a global appeal in our athletic department. Speaking of BYU, that's what I would go for. And I'm not saying that you automatically go in and root out, say, uh, tennis and some of this stuff. But I would be more proactive in looking at how our strategy has gone about with regards to uh, the the varsity sports we offer. I would have men's and I would have women's beach volleyball, for example. That would be a very easy add for me. You only have to have, I think, five or six athletes, and a lot of them will cross over from the women's volleyball program. The on the the regular six aside, you only playing 2 side and beach volleyball. Why couldn't that be a BYU varsity sport? I would just go about looking at the strategy of the sports that BYU is offering. Number two, for the athletic departments as a whole, and this relates to BYU football as well, I would take the entirety of the BYU Provo High School campus, say uh, to BYU administration, we want all of that land. That is ours. That would be the new compound for BYU athletics. I would completely demolish Provo High School, build new shiny building or buildings, have that football field be the new practice field, et cetera, and make that the new BYU sports campus. Give the athletic uh, department, the current student-athlete building, the Smith Field House, all that stuff. You can pass that back over to the university and say, do what you will with this. You guys can uh, revamp that for school-type stuff, university uh, buildings, that type of stuff. But give us all of this across the street, across University Avenue there. We want that in the entirety of the Provo High Campus to be our new athletics campus. I would completely go about uh, retrofitting it, knocking it down new indoor practice facility all that stuff i would make that the new home of byu athletics if i was athletic director for a day now the third thing for byu athletics that i would revamp here is that i would make sure that byu athletics is a uh, invested at the levels commensurate with the sports that they are participating in essentially prioritize where the money needs to go we all know that football is the big dog men's and women's basketball do very very well relatively women's soccer is actually a surprisingly profitable venture for BYU sports but give the money to those programs, but at the same time, make sure that the other programs are given enough money that they can compete at the level you feel like they should be competitive with. Give them the resources commensurate with needing to be competitive at the level that they are participating at. I think that men's baseball is not men's baseball baseball, the baseball program. They compete with what is it? 11 and a half scholarships, et cetera. I would max out scholarships in every sport that you possibly can and make sure that every sport at BYU is giving a, is given, a fighting chance to compete at the highest levels. I know that would require a lot more investment in terms of taking maybe some money away from the football program in a way, but I think that if you make sure that ven- uh, not vendors, uh, if boosters were involved in this and they're endowing scholarships and they're investing money in the programs they're interested in, that type of stuff, you could make this happen. I, I, it's the, the era of doing more with less for BYU Athletics would be no more if it was up to me. I would be like you know what, we're big, bad, we're BYU, we're investing and we're going to make sure that we have a fighting chance in every sport we compete in. That's where I would uh, lay it out for you. So hopefully that answered your question, Nick, and it took a lot of time on today's show. But, hey, it was a really, really fun topic, and you gave me a prompt, and I ran with it. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to get into some BYU recruiting talk, an update on Frederick King. I also meant to get to another question on today's show, but I think I'd like to spend some time thinking more about it. It comes from our good friend uh, Tricky Tanner, Tricky T on uh, Twitter. Uh and Tanner, it's something I've I've seen this question about Jack Swarbrick and his comments to Sports Illustrated from this past weekend about what he sees as an inevitable. That's the quote: "is inevitable breakup of college athletics sometime in the maybe the middle 2030s." We'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show. I want to expand on that a little bit more, and I don't want to shortchange you with my answer on that. So we'll get to that on tomorrow's show. But coming up in just a minute, we'll talk about Frederick King. Uh, the visit from Rudy Williams actually being moved up to yesterday. He's actually already on campus checking things out. We also found. Out and Antoine Davis is coming in for BYU Hoops. We'll get to all of that here momentarily. First, though, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens. And we talked about this company a few times over the past few weeks. But Athletic Greens, what its goal is to make sure that you guys essentially are being as healthy as you possibly can while just taking one simple thing and changing in your day-to-day routine. With one delicious scoop of what they call AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and a adaptogens. That's a lot that's a mouthful. It's a lot of things, but it helps you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus and aging, essentially everything and every anything and everything that can possibly help you guys out. The best part is it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit for those of you who may uh, be drink coffee. Essentially, if you're drinking a dirty Dr Pepper from Swig or whatever other it uh, soda shop here in Utah, you get what I'm talking about. It's also cheaper than getting all the different supplements out there to, to help yourself as well. And the best part is you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews online. It's recommended by professional athletes, and it's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So check it out, my friends. It is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutritional supplement. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health and 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 to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. One more time, athleticgreens.com slash college. All right, let's talk a little BYU recruiting, uh, BYU basketball continuing to comb through the transfer portal, but Rudy Williams, the transfer from Coastal Carolina, is actually already on campus at BYU. I said on yesterday's show that I, he had said that, hey, he's coming out midweek to BYU on Wednesday. Well, he moved that up. Monday, he was on campus at BYU. I believe he is still on campus today, Tuesday, and meeting with BYU coaches, etc. And this is a big, big week for BYU because, if, as I said on yesterday's show, if you can collect uh, two of the three current targets we know about in the transfer portal for BYU. Uh, Those being Frederick King, obviously a former Louisville signee. I know he would technically be just a regular signing for BYU because he was released from his national letter of intent by the Cardinals. But then you also have, uh, as we mentioned, Rudy Williams from Coastal Carolina and then the prolific scorer, that is Antoine Davis from Detroit Mercy, who is going to be on campus later this week, Thursday, per CBS's John Rothstein. He'll be visiting BYU. If you're able to pull two of those three guys, ideally a Frederick King and then a combination of either Rudy Williams or Antoine Davis, I think it would be absolutely massive for BYU's chances because that would give BYU the scoring punch from the perimeter that would make up for a lot of what John Lucas, for example, missed last year. John was a great, great facilitator, but he did not ever really break out as as the bonafide scorer that BYU needed opposite a guy like uh, Alex Barcelo, man, A.B. Uh, But the biggest thing I think right now is BYU needs to sell these guys hard on what the Cougars can do for them. NIL, opportunities to get shots up. Show them the offensive prowess that left BYU with A.B., T. John Lucas, uh, the exits of uh, Gavin Baxter and uh, Richard Harward. Make sure that you uh, point out that there is a lot of offense missing from this year's roster, excuse me, missing from last year's roster going into this next season that they would help fill up. I was intrigued by a comment that uh, I believe it was the stepfather, yeah, Carson Lundy. So uh, Frederick King's stepfather spoke to Robbie McCombs from Vanquish the Foe, and this was the quote. Speaking about his visit to BYU this past weekend, the visit was awesome. From our arrival, we were welcomed by Coach Pope at the airport. Me and Fred, he calls his son-in-law, not his son-in-law, his stepson, Fred, we love the school, the equipment for training, and the staff, and the safe feeling you just get from being on campus. The relationship with Coach Pope is out of this world. He interacts with you, and you quickly feel as if you've known him for years. He's down to earth and fun to be around, unquote. That is what I've heard from multiple people talking about Mark Pope. Mark Pope is just very, very adept at making you feel like you have been old friends with him from the get-go. That is one of the key things that BYU is going to tap into when it comes to a guy like Frederick King. According to Robbie McCombs, he feels like uh, that BYU and Creighton are going to be the two finalists for Frederick King. Frederick King uh, was visiting Utah this week, uh, over the weekend as well, and then early this week, uh, checking out the Utes, but he thinks that BYU and Creighton will be the battle here. Uh, Creighton, obviously, a very, very talented team, but most likely, as Robbie also points out, and I would agree, Frederick King probably ends up being a backup in his first year or two with the Blue Jays versus potentially starting day one at BYU. That is going to be the interesting debate here, and it sounds like there could be an announcement coming by later this week for Frederick King where he will play hoops. I still think the ace up the sleeve for BYU in all of this is Walter Ruiz, the former BYU assistant, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. He is Frederick King's head coach at the NBA Academy Latin America down there in Mexico. So, it is not a bad thing to have a guy who's experienced BYU, knows the culture, and knows how to sell this to a guy like Frederick King. Frederick King's not a member of the predominant faith at BYU, but Walter Ruiz has coached this kid. He's always got this kid's ear, and he can be in that kid's ear and say, hey, here's what BYU's all about. This is why you should consider it. I think it would be a recruiting coup for BYU to get like a guy like Frederick King and then either Rudy Williams and or Antoine Davis. I think it would go a long way to rebuilding a lot of trust in the BYU basketball program and in particular in Mark Pope. After last week, a lot of people I felt like got down on Mark Pope, maybe preemptively and probably should have backed off a little bit from their keyboard warrior status in that regard. But I still think there is a huge opportunity here for Mark Pope to put together what would be, I think, a very potent lineup still with some of the holdovers as well, but also add some scoring punch that did not exist on last year's roster. So a very interesting week still playing out, and hopefully Rudy Williams' visit goes Swimmingly, And hopefully, we're hearing some good news relatively soon about some commitments slash signings slash transfers for the BYU basketball program. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll round out today's show with a couple of notes on BYU baseball. Also, we need to get to our top 50 player countdown. We switch back over to what we're calling the old-timers, the top 50 all-timers outside of the independent era for BYU. Who is number 47 in that countdown? We'll get to all of that here momentarily. First, though, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at BetOn. Online. We were just talking about BYU basketball. I got a really cool note from Bet Online yesterday. It was talking about NCAA tournament odds uh, for next year. And BYU, uh, earlier this month, had a two hundred and fifty 250-1 to 1 odds uh, when it came to the NCAA tournament and winning it next year. Well, it's unchanged. So if you want to get in early and get a nice $10 bet in on BYU's NCAA tournament odds, get to BetOnline.net right now. They are your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. Sports information needs, excuse me. Find out all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and, of course, the Major League Baseball season ongoing right now at BetOnline.net. It is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to the playoffs to eSports and more. Head to the website today. That's BetOnline.net once again. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action available to you now. It's all courtesy of your friends at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's round out today's show talking a little bit about what's going on in BYU sports, but let's also get to our player countdown. I'm I'm not going to do what I did last week. I almost forgot to do one last week. I felt bad for Joe Sampson because he actually listened to the episode, Uh, but Joe said, hey, it was all love. He appreciated uh, us giving him a shout-out here on the podcast, but today we switch back over to the old-timers is what I'm calling them, and I I hate doing that because uh, the guy we're going to talk about here, he's not an old-timer by any means. That is Brady Papinga. He's going to be number 47 in our countdown here of the top 50 players of all time for BYU outside of the independent era. Now, Brady Papinga, some of you may remember him playing for BYU, but he played during an era in his last three years in a BYU uniform were maybe the three worst years in 50 plus years of BYU football uh you can recall 2002 2003 2004 the Gary Croton era went down in flames despite starting out seemingly every season was some sort of promise there was that win over Notre Dame which Brady Papinga figured heavily into uh he was a guy from Evanston Wyoming Evanston High School and Brady Papinga I I say this as 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 positively as they can. He bleeds blue. BYU means the world to him. Does he come off a little cantankerous about his takes on BYU at times? Yes, because he is a media member. He still works for Fox Sports. does a lot of stuff with regards to the NFL and that type of stuff. But Brady Papinga was one of my favorite guys to watch in a BYU uniform, even though the uniforms during that era also were complete trash. The tan accents. You guys remember looking like the St. Louis Rams for one year? It just... I'm glad Bronco Mendenhall came in and said, you know what, to heck with this. We're going back to the traditional look. But Brady Papinga was a fun, fun guy to, to watch. And the best part was each year as he played for BYU, he got better. He was a freshman in 2001 when BYU went out there and put up that 12-2 record. He played in 10 games that year, finished with 9 tackles, playing mainly on special teams. He did have one fumble recovery that year, but then from then on, he was a stalwart at kind of a hybrid defensive end slash linebacker role for the Cougars, and he finished his sophomore year with 49 total tackles, a career high in sacks with 8 that year, and 12 and half tackles for loss. 2003, finished with 55 total tackles, so upped his tackle numbers. His sack numbers dropped to six, but he still had 11 tackles for loss. He also had uh, two fumble recoveries that year, and then his senior year was his best year, and that led him into the NFL, where he won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. He finished the 2004 season with 79 total tackles, 12 tackles for loss, another six sacks, one forced fumble, uh, two fumble recoveries. So, for his career, Brady Papinga had a grand total of 192 tackles, 35 uh, 35 and a half tackles for loss, 20 sacks overall, four forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, nine quarterback hits, and one pass breakup during his time at BYU. Uh, Brady does not necessarily get mentioned in the same vein as some of the great linebackers of BYU ever, like Kyle Van Noyes, uh the Brian Keels, insert name here, but I think Brady Papinga is in that top 10 of BYU linebackers all time, despite his years playing for BYU not being the most stellar years, if that makes sense. It just it wasn't... Uh, one of those things you went out and said, okay, uh, well, great. Okay. BYU was not great during his era, but that did not mean that he was not a great player in his own right. And that was really, really fun to see. So congratulations, Brady Papinga, number 47 in our all-time breakdown here of the best BYU football players of the past, what, 100 years beyond independence. Uh, And the way we've been breaking this down, if you're just checking this show out for the first time, thanks for Downloading it, by the way. Uh, What we've done is we usually do a hundred day countdown to BYU football, and it's across the weekdays. We don't do weekends here. So, the way I split it up this year, I figured, you know what? Let's do 50 players from the independent era because it's coming to an end next year for BYU. So, the 50 greatest players of the independent era juxtaposed against the 50 players outside of that era, the greatest Cougars of all time for BYU. So, we're having a lot of fun with this, and it will be just a summer long topic for us, getting us ready 130 days away from today for BYU football it's coming fast folks but not fast enough I cannot wait for BYU football to be here and that is going to do it for today's edition of the show coming up on tomorrow's show I want to get to the question that uh, Tricky Tanner brought uh, sent to us and that is about the comments from Jack Swarbrick from Notre Dame is, in, is a breakup of the Power 5 and the NCAA inevitable as Jack Swarbrick says and where would BYU fall in that we'll try and address that on tomorrow's show so a big thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day want to encourage encourage you guys now to get over to make your second listen today to the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. The draft is coming Thursday. Guys like Tyler Algier, James Empey, Samson Nakua, all hoping to hear their names called. Well, if you want to get up to speed on everything you know about the draft, check out the Locked On NFL Draft. It is your daily draft covering all things NFL Draft, making sure you guys are ready for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday later this week. That'll do it for today's edition of the show. A huge thank you once again for joining us. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. For April April 26th, 2022, and we will catch you guys tomorrow. A hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.